Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we will discuss the drama Hulali Huating or Royal Nirvana. The podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you are new to the podcast, please do check out our website, ChasingDramas.com, and feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at ChasingDramas. If you like what you hear in this podcast, please, please, please do us a favor and leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. This is the third of a four-part series for the drama, and today we will discuss the plot, characterization, and history of episodes four through seven. We are breaking the podcast episodes to reflect the first couple of cases in the drama. As always, I will finish with a quick book comparison since the drama is based off a book. The case of the day is cheating at the imperial entrance exam. The imperial entrance exam is the most important exam in a scholar's life and is a brutal marathon of an event. We will discuss it in more detail later on in this podcast episode. For now, the key point is that the exam is overseen by court officials and is of the utmost importance to the emperor and the empire. So what happens? In the second half of episode four in Hulali Huating, or Royal Nirvana, we move on from the capping ceremony saga and turn to the imperial entrance exam that is coming up. This exam takes place once every three years in spring and is called Chun Wei. The two primary examiners are one, Lu Shiyu, the teacher of the crown prince or Tai Zi, and two, Li Baizhou, chancellor and father-in-law to Qi Wang or Xiao Dingtang, the older brother of our crown prince. It doesn't take much to realize that you have the two brothers represented on each side by their established court official representatives. As you can imagine, for an exam that determines the future of the examinees and is the pipeline of talent for the empire, there is no room for error, and particularly no room for cheating. Lu Shiyu and Li Baizhou oversee the sealing of the exam question that Lu Shiyu mocked up, which is then locked safely away before it is unsealed at the beginning of the exam. Only these two men know what the test question is. And on the night before the exam starts, Tai Zi pays a visit to Lu Shiyu to wish him a happy birthday because his teacher's birthday falls during the exam period, which means he won't be able to celebrate it on the day. The crown prince is upset to find that his teacher wants to resign from office after the exams and burns his teacher's resignation letter in defiance. In a sense, he's acting as a child, but you can understand why. It's because he wants his teacher to remain close to him as one of his closest friends and family. Meanwhile, Li Baizhou is out inspecting the rooms. There is one room in particular where the roof has been partially destroyed and is deemed unusable. This will be crucial for later on in our recap. Now, let's turn to the examinees. 
There is quite a number of them, but there are two in particular we want to focus on at the beginning. The first is Gu Feng, and he is cousin to Taizi and already a count. His title is Jia Yibo, which means he's already a member of the aristocracy. As Taizi notes, Gu Feng and technically does not need to prove himself in the exam because he already has a high-ranking title. We have talked about this in the story of Minglan that members of nobility will be given titles and positions at court without having to pass any exam, but to do so is an impressive feat, and means that the man wants to prove his intelligence and worth by himself rather than rely on his family. This is the case with Gu Feng and the other strapping young man partaking in the exam is Lu Wenpu. The older brother of our female lead, Lu Wenxi. We haven't seen the female lead outside of a brief interlude in the first episode, but we now turn to her as she is helping her brother prep for the big day. The examinees, all wearing the uniform given to them for the exam, head into the examination center, where they are closely searched to prevent anyone from bringing materials that would help them cheat. But. We do see one of the examinees bribe an official to allow him to bring a cheat sheet. The rest get in without issue. Let's pause the recap here to insert the history and provide some more context on the imperial entrance exam. We decided to move this portion up into the recap section because it is so integral to understanding what is happening right now. We did also do this for the、uh, story of Minglan in episode twelve, but it is a good reminder for our listeners and new listeners. Kuju, or the imperial examination, was formally established during the Sui Dynasty. It was how men were chosen to be a part of the state bureaucracy through a more meritocratic method. This was the ticket for men to rise up in the world. In the drama, we don't hear exactly which exam this is, but I would say that it is、uh, the Huishi or the Metropolitan Exam because that's during the spring and also known as Chunwei, which is explicitly discussed in the drama. Huishi or the Metropolitan Exam was actually added in the Ming Dynasty. This exam was, of course, taken in the capital city. Overall, fun fact. The imperial examination continued through the centuries, and the final exam took place a little over a century ago in 1905. There are various subjects or disciplines that you can take for the exam. The most difficult is Jin Shi Ke or the Jin Shi discipline or presented scholar. For the Jin Shi discipline, test takers were required to have a thorough knowledge of Confucian classics, history, poems, rhapsody, inscriptions. Political discourse and much, much more. Poems and rhapsodies were actually abolished later in the Song Dynasty as a testing requirement. The reason is that even if someone can write beautiful poetry, if he does not know the classics, how can he govern? This is the most rigorous discipline, and the one, if you score well, will give you the best chances for entering court and climbing the ranks. So much so that it became a prerequisite for high office. While it also does offer prestige and status, after the Song Dynasty, the other disciplines were slowly phased out. The exams, like I mentioned before, take place once every three years and span several days. In this drama, they say it is 
nine days long. As you saw in this drama, the conditions or testing conditions were rather harsh. Examinees were forced to stay in tiny rooms for the entire time, and many could not handle the rigor and simply passed out due to stress and the poor testing conditions. It's kind of like a test of will almost. Throughout the years, there were various changes to the exams to make them more fair, essentially to quash corruption and cheating. Exam takers were sequestered into exam rooms in the examination hall, and they were stuck there. No one could bring materials with any writing on it. Rules were set to reduce bribery, corruption, and cheating. Some measures included that the attending examiners could not be from the same county or prefecture of where the exam was taking place. Names on the exam papers were covered in order to anonymize uh, the exam papers. And future changes also included having the exam responses themselves be copied by someone from the examination bureau in order to prevent the examiners from recognizing handwriting. This is not to say that cheating didn't happen, but yes, it was tough to cheat. This is very relevant for these episodes because the whole case is, of course, about cheating. One weird thing I noticed, though, according to my research, the exams were held on February 9th through the 15th of the lunar calendar. So that means on uh, our Gregorian calendar, that's around mid-March or early March. I don't think it should be snowing that much as we see in the drama. Just one tiny little nitpick there. Uh, I'm going to push back on that because there are plenty of places that snow in the springtime. So mm, we don't know where this is set exactly. I'm just going to, we can say this is set in the north. So spring snow is not out of the question. Okay. <laughs> now let's get back to the recap. It isn't long before the guards are alerted of fraud, dun dun dun, after the examinees have been taking an exam for the day. All the exam takers are pulled outside and stripped of their clothes to find evidence of cheating. Unsurprisingly, there is actually quite a lot of cheat sheets floating around. Lu Shiyu and Li Baizhou, on the other hand, are alerted to the fact that the actual exam question was leaked. Only two people have seen it, and that's Lu Shiyu and Li Baizhou. So how was this possible? After a thorough search of each examinee's rooms, they find the question in three of them. Those of Gu Fengen, Taizi's friend, Lu Wenpu, our main female lead's brother, and a new character, Xu Changping. The men are taken to prison for questioning, and the scandal has alerted even the emperor. Taizi is, of course, worried about the turn of events because it involves one of his best friends and also his teacher. He wants to protect them and prove their innocence. At the prison, he also comes face to face with Lu Wenxi, our female lead, who turns up to try to save her brother. Of note, when I say come face to face, they get to chat, but Lu Wenxi wears a cap with a veil to protect her face. As is customary of the time, women of gentry who were not married uh, were not supposed to reveal their faces to men not within their family. And so these two have conversed, and Lu Wenxi can see Taizi, but Taizi has never seen Lu Wenxi's face. 
After thorough questioning by the crown prince in prison and also by Lu Shuyu, the crown prince's teacher, the biggest suspect for how the exam question was leaked was Lu Shuyu's close servant, Zhao So. He is the old man helping Lu Shuyu. And the person most gleeful about this turn of events? It's gotta be Li Baizhou. From Taizu's questioning, it turns out that plenty of cheating occurred because Li Baizhou allowed it to happen, the goal being to push the blame of such cheating onto Lu Shuyu. But that does not explain how the exam question was leaked. And indeed, it was this Zhao So that stole the question and faked the seal to make it seem like no one had opened it. The motivation for him to steal the question was for his relative, Xu Changping, who was taking the exam to pass well. Problem is that Zhao So was discovered by Li Baizhou while, the, uh, while in the act of theft and told to do Li Baizhou's bidding. The aim for Li Baizhou is, of course, to topple Lu Shiyu with this scandal. At this point, the emperor and Qi Wang arrive to follow up on the scandal. Qi Wang gloats about the fate that befalls the likes of Gu Feng and who will be punished for cheating. It doesn't look good for the crown prince's crew as they are implicated in leaking the exam question. Taizi, however, wanders aloud to the group. What happens if the exam question appears at the manor of Qi Wang? The group is stunned. How could that be? In fact, Taizi planted the exam question at Qi Wang's manor because Xu Changping conspired with Qi Wang to plant the leaked exam questions into the rooms of Gu Feng En and Lu Wenpu. These two men are innocent, while Qi Wang and Xu Changping are not. What happens in episode 7 is kind of confusing, so we'll do our best to explain what happened. Essentially, the examinees are released to continue taking the exam, and at first glance, it looks like Taizi has once again won the fight against Qi Wang and Li Baizhou. They proved, or he proved, that Qi Wang and Li Baizhou were the ones to try to frame Lu Shiyu with this whole cheating scandal. Unfortunately, the truth is revealed after Lu Shiyu discovers that there was a missing room number. Because there was a room that was unusable, the room numbers for the examinees was skipped by one in order to avoid that room with the roof that was broken. This became a huge plot hole that ultimately the emperor also discovered. The entire cheating scandal was actually engineered at first by the crown prince himself. He was the one to create the opportunity for Zhao So to steal the exam question and to lure Li Baizhou and Qi Wang into the trap. And the falsified exam question replicas? Well, the only person in the entire world that could falsify Lu Shuyu's handwriting that well is Taizi himself. But because Xu Changping's instructions were to leave the leaked exam questions into specific rooms, they should have been at the wrong room due to one being discounted. Taizi exposed himself by having the exam questions leaked in the original room numbers, when technically this should have been offset by one, uh, which caused his friend to unnecessarily be implicated. That, plus the evidence of the duplicate documents 
Taizi created meant that there was ample evidence to prove that Taizi conspired against Qi Wang and Li Baizhou. This is an unforgivable crime that would cost or that could cost Taizi his crown prince title. Fortunately or unfortunately for Taizi, the emperor has already decided a scapegoat for him, his teacher, Lu Shiyu. To protect Taizi and keep his opponents at bay, particularly Li Baizhou, Lu Shiyu agrees to retire from his post and return home. This devastates Taizi, but serves as a valuable lesson to him as to what he should and should not do as crown prince. In the first scandal with the capping ceremony, Taizi proves that he was capable of protecting himself in political games, but in this case, he showed that he shouldn't use his intelligence to proactively attack others. Because guess what? The skipped room was actually engineered by Li Baizhou in order to trap Taizi into setting this trap for Li Baizhou and Qi Wang. It's clear that Taizi still is not fully prepared for the political games that await him as emperor, and that when he attacked first, it only ended poorly for him. That kind of brings us to the conclusion of episode 7 um, and the episode recap section. In other items, we also briefly are introduced to Xiao Ding Kai, the fifth prince and younger son of Zhao Guifei or noble consort Zhao. Before we move on to history, though, I do want to point out, in my humble opinion, a couple of bugs in this whole case. Not to say that it wasn't thrilling, but I stewed on it a bit afterwards and kind of came to the conclusion that the players were very intelligent, but the whole setup was flawed. So what do I mean by that? Here's three examples that I'll give you. Number one. For the actual exam question in the um, drama, we see that they just put like some glue and just like stick a label on it. I feel like that should have been a wax seal on the envelope. That's uh, has been wax has been used for ages in China. Um, for something that important, I think a wax seal would have made much more sense and much harder to fake. The next piece, I know this was for plot purposes. But in a regular cheating scandal, why would Zhao So, uh, the older gentleman, actually have to steal the paper to make a copy? He could have probably just read it, memorized it, and then, and then put it back um, so that it wasn't as conspicuous or have like multiple copies floating around. Again, I know this is just for plot purposes. And the last thing is the room situation is kind of weird. In my opinion, wouldn't there be someone... Um, Missing an exam room if everything was pushed out one? And wouldn't the guards be checking kind of on those rooms during the exam? Again, I'm really just nitpicking the setup right now. The players playing the chess pieces were masters. Everyone except for our poor Taizi. I just think that the board that was created for them to play wasn't as good. Now let's talk about some history, or some more about history, because we did go quite in-depth about uh, the imperial entrance exam. 
first is something that I have never really heard about or understood until this drama, and that is Chen Huan Ding Xing, which is to attend to one's parents in the morning and evening. In episode four, the crown prince goes to see the emperor and formally bows. According to the etiquette trainer for the series, they decided to have the crown prince use Zai Bai Li, which means to bow two times. This has been recorded as a formal bow in Yi Li, or the Book of Etiquette and Ceremonial, or the Book of the Etiquette and Ceremonial. This text was written and compiled during the Zhou Dynasty and contains information about propriety, rights, and customs of people during that time. We mentioned it in previous episodes. In the drama and the book, Taizi always ask Sheng Gong An He Fo, which means, is the emperor well? But this is super formal. Usually it would be like, Ni hao ma, but of course, the crown prince must be formal. And if you watch in um, these couple of episodes, whenever Taizi asks this, um, the emperor would say, yes, I'm well or not well, but it would be Jin An or something along those lines. This is listed in the Book of Rights of the proper etiquette for a son. The Book of Rights dates back to the Zhou Dynasty over 2,000 years ago. What we have in Li Ji, which says, Fan Wei Ren Zi Zhi Li, Dong Wen Er Xia Qing, Huan Ding Er Chen Qing. Hence, we have Chen Huan Ding Xing. Importantly, in this drama, only Tai Zi has to do this for his father. None of the other princes are required to do this, but this is required for Taizi to attend to his father every single day. And there is a very uh, powerful scene in episode 18, I believe, where the emperor does mention that his son, Taizi, has come to attend to him for Chen Huan Ding Xing for thousands of days over many, many years. And that is a very powerful statement for how filial Taizi is towards his father. Or has to be. Yes, has to be. Moving on, let's discuss the three dishes that appeared quite a bit during these couple of episodes, and which, of course, signified the resignation of Taizi's mentor and tutor, Lu Shiyu. The story goes as such. Zhang Han, with the courtesy name of Ji Ying, lived during the early Western Jin Dynasty, which ruled part of China from 265 AD to 317 AD. His father, Zhang Yan, was a high-ranking official in the Eastern Wu Kingdom. Shortly after his father died, the Western Qin Dynasty conquered the kingdom. As such, Zhang Han did have a little bit or some amount of animosity towards this new ruling Sima family. While talented, he was somewhat aloof. However, he nonetheless gained favor from the emperor and rose to a high rank. In 291, the Rebellion of the Eight Princes, or Ba Wang Zhiluan, broke out, which was a series of civil wars with members of the royal family all vying to claim regency of Emperor Hui of Jin, or Jin Hui Di, who was developmentally disabled. Now, Zhang Han, seeing this, did not want to be caught in the conflict. 
According to the Book of Jin, which chronicles the time, Zhang Han saw claims or claims he saw the autumn winds and was reminiscent of his childhood foods from the Wusong River. This is very close to modern day in Shanghai and close to Suzhou as well. The foods included chuncai or water shield, luquai or weaver, and guzai or zizania latifolia or Manchurian wild rice. Zhang Han decided that man should be content, and he resigned his post and retired. For this retirement, he also wrote a poem called Si Wu Jianggu, or Ode to the Wu River. It goes as such: Qiu feng qi xi, mu ye fei; Wu jiang shui xi, lu zheng fei; san qian li xi, jia wei gui; hen nan jin xi, yang tian bei. That poem. It uh, it sounds lovely, and my translation goes as such: The autumn winds pick up with the leaves falling. The weaver in the Wu River are the fattest. I have now returned to my home three thousand miles away. It is hard not to look up to the sky and lament. This story, or this anecdote, you know, coupled with a poem, is the basis for the idiom "chun lu zhi si." Or to reminisce the water shield and the weaver. In the drama, Taizi knew immediately what his teacher meant when he listed those three dishes. Despite Taizi's best efforts, by the end of episode seven, the crown prince had to personally gift these three dishes to his teacher for his mistakes. I thought that was really, really good foreshadowing. His teacher wanted to go home. The student didn't want him to go, and at the end, the student had no choice but to send his teacher off. Alrighty, and with that, I will close out on book differences. Even up till now, these events don't happen in the book. Xu Changping is a mysterious man with an interesting background. He seems innocent enough here in the drama. Kind of got tangled up. Um, but his true background is not revealed yet. He also isn't introduced to the crown prince until much later in the book, and they aren't introduced to and uh, during the imperial entrance exam. The drama also introduced Lu Wenxi earlier on uh, to showcase that she is an intelligent young woman, and to quite frankly introduce her to the crown prince. It's very obvious that she and the crown prince are intrigued with each other. But what comes of it? Notice how right now in the drama he doesn't see her face, so he doesn't actually know who she is. This kind of then comes together when uh, the the drama uh, follows the book timeline. But what comes of uh, this relationship between Lu Wenxi and? Xiao Dingquan. Let's continue to find out. And there you have it, episodes four through seven of Royal Nirvana. We learned quite a bit about the imperial entrance exam, but also about the cost of trying to harm others. Clearly, the drama is trying to push one, or at least have you think about what it means to be a man with. Honor, or someone with ethics. 
If you want to watch the show and are in the U.S., it is on Jubao TV with English subtitles. If you want to stream it, just head on over to XUMO or Jumo to watch the show on your computer. On TV, this drama is available on Xfinity and Cox Contour. Again, it is entirely free. And that is it for today for the remaining episode of our podcast series. We will move on to the archery competition case. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.